Hello and welcome. Let's jump right into Spooky Saturday number six. The title for this episode is Mischief Managed. I wonder what this could be about. <laughs> uh, okay, it's not Harry Potter, but we all know where Mischief Managed came from. Marauder's Map. Classic. Well, Harry Potter itself on the whole is a classic to me, but that's a whole other that's a whole other review for another kind of podcast. <laughs> anyway, let's jump in. Um, mischief Managed. By the early 20th century, Halloween had become a night of mostly mischief in America and Canada. Pulling pranks was the main Halloween activity back then, and we're not just talking about smashing pumpkins or toilet papering the trees. These kids were pulling big pranks, like removing gates from their hinges, tipping over outhouses, or putting large items on people's roofs or haystacks. Halloween vandalism soon increased, possibly due to the pressure of society at the time during the Great Depression. Halloween was becoming dangerous and costly. Reckless activities like derailing streetcars, releasing livestock into the streets, smashing windows, and setting fires was becoming more commonplace. Gate Night, Mischief Night, and Hell Night were all names being used for Halloween. Finally, neighborhoods and local businesses decided that something must be done. To curb unruly activities, many cities began holding Halloween parades with treats and prizes for kids who attended in their, attended in their costumes. Among the first cities to take this approach were Anoka, Minnesota, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Hiawatha, Kansas, and Chicago, Illinois. Big Halloween parties that included costume contests, games, bonfires, and of course treats for the kids were hosted by schools and communities. Radio stations would plan giveaways to be announced on the radio after the parties so kids would race home and listen to see if they had won instead of running amok in the streets. Halloween party guides known as Denison's Bogey Books were popular guides of the time and inspired homemakers to host their own Halloween parties. For those of you... Uh, just getting into Halloween, those bogey books are a holy grail of the Halloween fandom. If you can get your hands on an original copy of one of those, oh god, you'd have so many people looking up to you. <laughs> um, me included. They started opening up their doors to local costumed children and passing out treats. In some communities, children shared clever songs or a joke at the door as well. Pre-made crepe paper costumes and paper masks were sold, but many people opted for homemade. I find photos of people in their homemade costumes from this era delightfully creepy, and so do I. The author and me both. By the late 1930s, kids were giving up most of the pranking and vandalism and joining in the fun of Halloween festivities offered instead. The term trick-or-treat had spread from Canada in the 1920s through some areas in America, and by the late 1930s, it was beginning to be used as an agreement between homeowners and would-be vandals as a trade of sorts for protection from pranks. So there you go. Uh, that's why pranks are associated with Halloween. Uh, that's also why we have Halloween parties and haunted houses and trick-or-treating, so that covers so much ground <laughs> in just those few little pages. Um, that's also why, uh, I don't know how many of you might know this, most of you probably would if you're into Halloween, and you are at least in like your teens to 20s. Um, that is also why the night before Halloween is called Mischief Night, because people do still pull pranks, although they're not as horrible as the pranks that used to be pulled 
thank goodness. <laughs> so tune in next Saturday for another Spooky Saturday.